This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everyone's having a good one out there today. Sun was shining on Tuesday. Got outside, went for a run. Um, do that a lot in the winter anyway, but motivated extra yesterday by uh, by the nice, uh, nice, relatively speaking, weather for us. So hope you guys are getting out outside as much as possible. I know that helps me in the wintertime, kind of break up the monotony of the cold days get me out of my cold basement and uh and into the sunshine and get a little bit of uh get a little bit of that good stuff so hope everyone's doing well got a lot to get to today um gonna get rachel blount um covers the olympics for the star tribune she's gonna check in in a little while with a voicemail as we call them from beijing lots of good reporting from rachel out there and she uh, you know she'll kind of set the scene for you bring you as close to the games as you can possibly get. I'll have Marcus Fuller on in a little bit as well to talk Gophers men's basketball. Marcus, of course, covers that team for the Star Tribune, does a great job of doing it. It's been a difficult stretch for the Gophers after that better-than-expected start to the season, but the, the schedule eases up here now for a little while. The, they play Nebraska Wednesday night, Nebraska does not have a Big Ten win yet this season. Um, they've got some games against Northwestern, uh, Penn State. So, you know, opportunities in the second half of the season to play some teams that are maybe closer to them in the standings and in talent level. So maybe Ben Johnson's team can get back, you know, get back and get some more of that uh, winning confidence on the court as well. So we will see about that. Going to get to the wild here in a little bit too. They came back from their break, albeit to lose 2-0 to Winnipeg on uh, on Tuesday night. But first, what did I miss? Let's talk some Timberwolves and NBA. Wolves went to Sacramento on a Tuesday night, came came back, or didn't came back, they're still there. But they uh, they delivered a one thirty four to one fourteen win over the Kings. Just another in a string of similar kind of performances for them lately. In a good way, they've won five in a row now, twenty nine and twenty five. And it was largely the bench again that was doing it. I mean, Carlton Towns still you know still rolling plenty good. And he's going to be in that three point shooting contest at the uh, All Star game. In addition to being an All Star reserve, you know, Cat was good. On Tuesday night, you know they're getting a lot from uh, a lot from a lot of different, a lot a lot from a lot of different people, I guess, in in that win. But you know, twenty nine and twenty five now puts them kind of in an interesting position, uh, which I'll get to in a minute. We got well, I'll talk about the game just a little bit more here because you know, like I said, Cat had twenty five points, two of three from three point range. They were red hot from three point range as a team. Twenty two of forty four, they made fifty percent of their threes, and it's been the offense that's been carrying them. A lot lately, but you know, definitely in uh, in play in playoff position, and they've been doing it a lot lately without Anthony Edwards. Um, I want to get to a Chris Finch quote about Anthony Edwards before we get too much into all of the good things from this game because Ant he's kind of strung together a bunch of kind of meh or you know clunker games lately, even as the Wolves have been playing well. I mean, just looking at his last five games, all Wolves wins. Um, you know, he, he played fine against Detroit, but aside from that, the shooting hasn't been there, hasn't been making a lot of threes. You know, the, the effort plays haven't necessarily been there. He's not getting quite as many steals, um, not helping himself 
in in other ways. Um, so you know, winning without much from Edwards is a good sign for the team, but not a great sign, you know, for I guess for long term. I'm sure he's just kind of going through a little funk. Um, but head coach Chris Finch addressed that after uh, after Tuesday night's game. Well, he'll get back on track. I'm sure. It's, you know, it's my next priority is get him going. Um, you know, but you got to be a you got to be a participant in your own recovery. And um, he's not playing with a lot of energy right now. He's not making many multiple effort plays. Not doing little things to get himself going. Um, his finishing is really letting him down. Um, so then there's a lot of things that he needs to to kind of push through right now. So. Listen, I don't know if he's dealing with some kind of lingering injury, if this is just something young players go through, but they're they're, they're certainly going to need Anthony Edwards at at a certain point here. I mean, they've been kind of getting 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 well against some of these better tier, some of these worst teams in the league. Um, a couple wins over Detroit, Sacramento. They've got another one here against Sacramento coming up. Um, but you know, once the schedule turns a little bit again, and they're facing you know some of these better teams and really trying to push for that, you know. Push for a top six seed. Let's be honest. I mean, if they're in, you know, if they're in seventh right now, just a game behind Denver for, you know, for sixth, trying to get, you know, trying to get into the playoffs, not just the play in. And you've got the Lakers and the Clippers lurking below them. I mean, there's not going to be a lot of margin for error for, you know, turning this regular season from good into something even better than that. So they're just, they're certainly going to need Anthony Edwards going forward. There's no doubt about that. And hopefully, like Finch said, for their sake, they're able to get him going. One thing that's not been a problem at all lately is the play of their bench. Um, Jordan McLaughlin, one of those key contributors who's taken advantage of you know, some absences to, to work his way back into the rotation. He played 19 minutes uh, last night, had 18, it was a plus 18, had 11 assists and 11 points, a double-double in just 19 minutes, you know, he and Malik Beasley seem to have a good chemistry going. And, you know, that whole bench unit's just been on fire lately. Torian Prince was a plus 18. Jaden McDaniels a plus 16, making their shots, playing defense. So, you know, McLaughlin actually was made available after the game. He is not usually one of the players that they bring out to media availability after the game. And here is Jordan McLaughlin after the game. Yeah, I know. I know Bees is uh, running the floor and he's looking for the ball. So I'm just trying to push the pace. And once I see he has a little space, he only needs a little bit of a time to get it off. So trying to penetrate into the paint and then, you know, look for kickouts and he's ready to shoot. Yeah, we're on a big roll. I mean, but it's not just our offense. It starts with our defense. Uh, when we're able to get stops, we we're able to play in transition and we're able to play fast. So we got guys running for layups, uh, Malik and TP ready to shoot on the wing. So when we're able to get stops and play in transition, we're a really good team. So it just seems like they're playing with a lot of confidence right now, which is always a good thing and an interesting thing to consider as we think about the trade deadline coming up tomorrow. Um, you know, it kind of feels like you don't want to mess up much with this team, right? Because if you're going to make a trade at the deadline, it's either a major, you know, shakeup. Um, you need something in your starting lineup, and I don't feel like they're necessarily at a point where. I just don't know where they'd what they'd swap out in the starting lineup, and you know, as far as the bench goes, they feel like they feel like they have a pretty good rhythm on the bench right now, and I don't know exactly what they would add to that. Um, you know, they they haven't been linked to a whole lot of stuff lately, so this could be it could be a moot point. But you know, as we think about the trade deadline, I'm not sure if there's much to do. Not that this not that they're like this complete great team, but I just I can't see 
much that they would do given salary cap constraints, given the way they're constructed, that would fundamentally improve them for, you know, improve them and, and make them better. So inclined to think they might just kind of stand still at the deadline and let some of these other teams around them make some of these defining moves that could eventually help them. I mean, Portland trading C.J. McCollum the other day certainly helps them, you know, feel like they're going to stay clear of Portland for sure, although the Pelicans now acquiring McCollum and maybe eventually getting Zion Williamson back could be a factor, if not this year, in years to come. I mean, Sacramento made a big trade on Tuesday. That certainly impacted their depth on um, on Tuesday night and their ability to compete. So, you know, some of these moves are going to maybe uh, uh, impact them in different ways and not necessarily just them. But as far as the Wolves go, I'm not feeling like a trade machine right now. I'm feeling like they should maybe just kind of ride this out and see how this year goes and then maybe make some other moves in the off season. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Like I said at the beginning, I've got Rachel Blount, who checks in via voicemail from Beijing with all sorts of great Olympic updates. So let's listen to what Rachel has to say now. Ni hao. This is Rachel Blount checking in from the Star Tribune's Beijing Olympics Bureau with a little update on how the games are going so far. We had our first Minnesota medal last night. Jesse Diggins wins bronze in the women's freestyle sprint. It was quite a night out at Zhangjiakou up in the mountains, 112 miles northwest of Beijing. Jesse's medal was historic for two reasons. It was the first individual Olympic medal won by a U.S. woman in cross-country skiing. And also Rosie Brennan, Jesse's U.S. teammate, was fourth, and that marked the first time that two U.S. women made an Olympic sprint final. The men did their job, too. Best ever finish for the U.S. men. Ben Ogden was 12th. That was their best sprint finish. And all four of the U.S. men who competed in the men's sprint got out of qualifying. First time that's happened as well. So very good start after two events at these Olympics for the U.S. cross-country ski team. It was kind of a quiet atmosphere last night at the cross-country venue. There were a few hundred Chinese fans, but typically at the cross-country venue at the Olympics, it's absolutely crammed full of fans from all kinds of countries. They're clanging their cowbells. They're, they're blowing on horns. They're all waving their flags. It's usually one of the craziest, most lively and fun venues at the Olympics. Last night, we had some Chinese spectators who were thoroughly bundled up. It's very cold up there and masked up, of course, and cheering in the way that we have become accustomed to at these games, waving little flags. They're generally quiet. That's what the authorities have asked, that people not cheer with their mouths to stop the spread of COVID. So people just wave these little flags. The sprint is considered one of Jesse's best events, uh, probably her best chance to perhaps win a race and best chance, one of her best chances to medal. But uh, no one last night was going to catch Jonna Sundling of Sweden. She absolutely dominated every round, which is really remarkable because the, the sprint is an absolutely furious, crazy race. Three minutes of skiing as fast as you can and four rounds of that for the people that reach the finals. You start in a qualifier, then you move on through quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. It's a race where in the heats you've got six-person fields. You have to try to avoid collisions and falls and stumbles, which happen when people are jockeying for a position. And this is 
is also a very, very tough course here in Zhang Jiaku with a long early climb. And there's another uphill in on this course as the athletes are approaching the stadium and going into that final straightaway. Sunling won every round by a wide margin. It was just an amazing performance. And in fact, Jesse gave a real hat tip to her in the press conference and, and spoke about how great it was to see people achieving their dreams. That was the first Olympic gold for Jana Sunling, who is the world champion in the sprint. We still don't know how many races Jessie will do here at the Olympics. She would like to do all six, but her coaches might choose to give her a rest day because of the extreme cold here. She likes cold weather, but when it's this cold, the coaches say that it causes skiers to expend more energy and they need to monitor that and make sure she doesn't get too worn out. So they'll be looking after her, seeing how she recovers and deciding her schedule moving forward based on that. She's pretty likely to race in the 10K Classic tomorrow. That race goes off at 3 p.m. Thursday, Beijing time. That's 1 a.m. Minnesota time. Uh, not a race that's really in her wheelhouse, although she she could do well in it. She is a very versatile skier who's worked really hard on her classic technique to bring it up to the level of her freestyle technique. She has competed in three 10K classics this year on the World Cup circuit. She was 13th, 16th, and 18th in those races. And if she does go at the Olympics, that'll be her first time racing in a 10K classic at the Olympics. She competed in the 10K in 2018, but that was in the freestyle technique, and she was fifth in that race. Speaking of fifth place, is another amazing accomplishment by Jessie that I think it's overlooked a little bit is she has been seventh or better in her last eight Olympic races. All six races in 2018, she was seventh place or better. And this year, her two races, she was sixth in the women's skiathlon in Beijing on Saturday. And last night, she got that bronze in the sprint. So it's a pretty remarkable record that Jessie has put together. The, the consistency is just really astonishing. Looking ahead to some other events coming up with our Minnesotans. Uh, tonight, I will be at men's curling, where our curling skip John Schuster will open defense of the 2018 gold medal that he and his team won. They'll be playing Russia. And tomorrow, my colleague Lavelle E. Neal III will be at women's curling, another group that has three Minnesota women there. And Minnesota, uh, or excuse me, men's hockey, uh, U.S. versus China, will also be starting tomorrow. I think Lavelle will be at that game as well. And we've got nine Minnesotans on the U.S. team there. Well, thank you for listening. Enjoy the Olympics. And remember that you can follow all the action of the Minnesota athletes and everybody else competing in the games in the Star Tribune and at StarTribune.com. A good reminder from Rachel to check out everything we're doing at Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. We have a curling guide that I enjoyed, kind of how to watch curling, how to know what, what's going on in that sport. One of the you know one of the fun things to watch in the Olympics I think is is curling so I hope you guys will read that and get into the curling again this year. Happy to have Marcus Fuller back on Daily Delivery. Of course, covers Gophers men's basketball for the Star Tribune and college basketball in general. Uh, Marcus, how you doing? Good, good, good to be uh, talking Gophers again. Although my team's not uh, winning <laughs> as much now, but I think they're still relevant. You know, the Big Ten's a tough league, and um, they continue to fight. And, uh, you know, have there's some close games here and there, and it seems like at some point here they're going to break through. 
kind of what we thought at the start of the year is starting to play itself out, right? Just the the depth and how good the Big Ten is is kind of starting to catch up to them, huh? Uh, I think the Big Ten is tough, you know, every year. Um, you know, obviously last year they started off strong and they collapsed at the end of the season. Um, you know, I think this this Big Ten is a little hard to figure out, especially in the beginning when teams like Purdue and Illinois struggled and now they're they're back um, on top of the league. And, you know, I think more so than not, I feel like this league is judged by the bottom half and how they do. And I think the fact that the Gophers have not played any of these teams at the bottom half of the league yet, um, I think that that's, that's going to be how we, we're going to judge them when it's all said and done is if they can beat some of these teams like Nebraska, Penn State, or Northwestern. So I think that's where right now, um, you know, I think they're more of that caliber than the top of the Big Ten, obviously. And one of those games, obviously, is Wednesday at Nebraska. Nebraska not having a good year at all. So, yeah, you're right, a chance for them to to maybe, you know, get a win and start to feel, you know, not like they're feeling bad about themselves, but feel kind of try to start to recapture whatever kind of momentum they had at the start of the year when they were such a surprisingly good team. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's all about expectations. Uh, nobody in their right mind thought this was an NCAA tournament team uh, projected unanimously to finish last in the Big Ten. A lot of that was because they had so many newcomers. But, you know, I mean, there's things that, that they're uh, lacking now or that's obviously lacking now that, that they lacked back then, which was, you know, depth in the front court, overall depth. Uh, they they suffered some injuries and they had some illnesses uh, a few weeks ago, about a month ago, and that you know kind of resulted in them uh, dropping some games. You know, I look back to the Michigan State game uh, mid-January where they lost on a last-second basket yep. by Joey Hauser, and uh, you know what are the odds that you know Eric Curry goes down? within the last minute of that game and he was having the game of his life. You know, if he would have finished that game, they, they might get that upset at Michigan state. Um, you know, he comes back from injury and in his first game back from injury and they lose to Wisconsin by six, you know, again, not putting all on Curry's uh, health, but you know, if he's healthy to finish Michigan state and, 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 and playing to the level he was prior to the injury at Wisconsin, you know, they might um, pick up those two road wins, and then we'll, we're talking a different um, path right now than there are than they are right uh, with seven. Or I'm sorry, yeah, seven losses in the last eight games. Yeah, and it, it goes to show too, though, that you know the depth, especially in the front court, that you and I have talked about plenty of times. They just, you know, they we knew at the start of the year that they were going to be challenged in that way, and and they certainly have been. Although, you know injuries and you know other things that happen towards the you know in the course of a season give other players an opportunity you know they're playing pretty a pretty tight six player rotation at the start of the year what have we seen from any of these other players who they are going to lean on in future years you know beyond just Jameson Battle yeah this team's built with seniors you know they don't their rotation was uh, seven players and they're six seniors yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you take Curry, you t- take Curry out of the equation when he was hurt and he was a senior. That means uh, someone who was not getting much playing time previously 
And at first, that was uh, Trayton Thompson. He was a freshman from, uh, you know, played at Alexandria uh, in outstate Minnesota. And I think because of his lack of physicality, um, you know, he was unable to get into the rotation earlier. But his, his skill level, ability to shoot the ball, was pretty obvious when he got more playing time. I believe he hit four threes uh, within a three-game span. Uh, three or four game span and uh, had 10 points versus Rutgers in, in the the only win they've had recently. And so I think, you know, his confidence and, and, and Ben Johnson's confidence in him has been a bright spot even during their losses. Uh, but again, you know, now that Curry's healthy, the question is, how do you still play Trayton Thompson? Um, how are you going to, you know, able to get him and, um, you know, some of their bench players to give them a spark because, you know, this team cannot be carried by one player. Jamison Battle's been great this year, but, you know, they're keen on him defensively. And Peyton Willis has been outstanding at times. Uh, but again, you know, he can't be asked to carry the team um, on his own. You talked about the schedule, and I want to get back to that in a minute. How, ben Johnson, obviously, you know, they got a lot of, they got a ton of really positive press at the start of the season. You know, people lauding the job he was doing and I think he's still doing the same job but as the losses have mounted how do you think he's handling and adjusting to that in his first year as head coach well you know I've talked about it in the past and it's pretty clear uh, now that no other gopher coach is taking over a team this depleted yeah um, you know I think so we have to judge his first year in a nutshell like okay 10 newcomers, um, you know, one person back from last year's team that had Big Ten experience. You know, this is something that no coach has been asked to do in the history of Gopher basketball. And, you know, whether they win another game in the Big Ten or not, um, we have to put that in, in perspective. How he's handled this team, I think he's put him, putting them generally in the best position to be successful, to be competitive, you know, they've done some things defensively to make up for their lack of size inside and rebounding. They've tried to get um, players like Jamison Battle um, going, and, you know, he's really emerged as one of the best young players in the Big Ten. And then moving forward, you know, he's going to be a big part of their team. So I think that this coaching staff uh, has worked wonders with, uh, you know, the talent that they have. I think they've done a good job of developing um, or they will still continue to do a good job of developing Jamison Battle and some of the younger players. And so I think that that moving forward is something we'll have to take a look at, um, you know, when they get more talent, when they get more depth. Um, how do they continue to make adjustments? How do they continue to develop those younger players? And I, I think uh, next year's team uh, will, will have a good opportunity to make a, a step forward. Getting to that schedule, too. I mean, we mentioned they play Nebraska on Wednesday night. Four of the next five against either Nebraska, Penn State, or Northwestern, those kind of teams in the conference that seem to be more on their peer level. And, you know, the tough ones against Wisconsin, um, you know, Indiana, Maryland won't be a picnic, but Northwestern uh, to finish the year as well. So, you know, some chances to pick up some wins down the stretch here. Do you have like a as we kind of wrap up talking about this team in particular, is there a, how would you like to see them 
close the season, whether it's a win total or just what do you want to see from them as they kind of you know finish off the second half of this year? Well, since I'm paying uh, Ben Johnson's salary, then <laughs> it's all it's all, <laughs> it's all on me, you know, like what yes. I expect. Um, but you know, if if I were Mark Coyle, the athletic director, um, I would say that I would like to see them continue to be competitive in in these games. You know, Iowa got away from them, uh, not like I've seen um, in many games this year. I think Illinois and Iowa were the only two games where I felt like. Or Iowa second half. Yeah, were the only two games I felt like they were really, really overmatched. I mean, Purdue is top four team in the country. I still felt like in the second half they were right there with Purdue until the very end. Um, the Iowa second half and Illinois games, I just thought, wow, this is not a uh, doesn't look like a Big Ten caliber team. And even though they are, you know, depleted with depth and and those things, I think Coyle would probably want to see them continue to be competitive especially against the top half of the Big Ten, or especially against the bottom half of the Big Ten. You know, you need to see them possibly get a win or two against a Northwestern, um, you know, Nebraska or Penn State at home. And then, again, on the road, you still want to see them be competitive. And then, you know, at the end of the year, um, the last couple games at home and then in the Big Ten tournament, you know, Jamison Battle, some of these guys that will be back next year, Hopefully they're playing better, their best basketball, and they 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 show fans and they show uh, the administration, um, you know, what what's to look forward to in the future. Nebraska, by the way, zero and twelve in the Big Ten, six and seventeen overall. They've lost ten in a row, but a lot of these teams probably too look at Minnesota the same way Minnesota looks at them and says, "Hey, we have an opportunity to get a win." So. No, uh, no sure thing, obviously, there. Um, Marcus, final thought from you. Anything coming up in your excellent basketball across Minnesota feature that has been running, um, you know, since the start of the year? Well, I appreciate you getting a, give me a shout out for BAM. Uh, basketball across Minnesota has been, been really fun and refreshing. You know, I, I enjoy covering, uh, the Gophers and Ben Johnson's first year, but it's nice to step away sometimes and, and, cover you know basketball in the state of minnesota i think uh, is on a level of any anywhere in the country and um the high school uh level uh, certainly has been producing a lot of talent and i look forward to writing here soon about you know some of the big men that come out of the the state of minnesota um we'll see we're seeing some of them at the nba level and and also um at the college level and uh you know we're gonna we're gonna see a, a future gopher and um, you know, a future uh, big man, uh, high-level recruit in the junior class coming up here. So I'm looking forward to writing about those guys. Sounds good. I will be reading. Hope we, hope everyone else is too. Marcus, you do a great job covering college basketball for the Star Tribune. We'll catch up with you again soon, and maybe we'll even have a win or two to talk about. All right. I can't guarantee that, but I look forward to talking <laughs> with you guys again. Sounds good, Marcus. Take care. See you. Always good to catch up with Marcus. Does a great job covering the Gophers for the Star Tribune. Looking forward to that Nebraska game tonight. Like to see the Gophers get back on the winning track because I feel like they, you know, it's a team that's, you know, we don't root in the media, but, you know, underdog stories are always easy for fans to root for. It'd be nice to see them stack up a few more wins before the year is done and then get some momentum going into that off season. Let's finish with the cooler, the wild played Tuesday night. We didn't get to that until the end because there wasn't a whole lot to say about it. 
lost two nothing to Winnipeg. You know, first game coming out of the All Star break. Sometimes there's a le- legs issue. Sometimes you don't have quite the jump. I don't think they played all that poorly in the game, but they did see their winning streak come to an end. Kakinen played pretty well in net, but you know. One of 82, maybe flush that one away. Still have a lot of confidence in this team to do good things going forward. So, you know, I guess the, the message I have from this one is not every game's going to be a masterpiece, and sometimes you just got to kind of move on from a result, maybe an expected one in a first game out of the break on the road, and we'll see, you know, if they can kind of recapture that uh, that flow they had going into the break. That will do it for today's show. Should have some good stuff coming up on Thursday. Expecting to talk to Rachel Bannum of The Lynx. Just re-upped with The Lynx. Going to chat with her later on Wednesday and play that for you on Thursday's show. Should have a bunch of other stuff as well for you. Have a great rest of your day. Back at it on Thursday.